This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? Happy 2020, Josh. I'm trying to think of uh, players who wear the number 20 in the Premier League. First mm. one that pops to mind, Callum Hudson-Odoi. Yes. First one comes to mind for me, Barry Sanders does not play <laughs> Premier League. A retired running back for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> okay. Uh, th- thought experiment. If Bernie Sanders played in the Premier League or played well, professional football If Bernie football Sanders played, soccer, that would be amazing. Uh, <laughs> Bernie <laughs> Sanders. Uh, Barry, I'm, feel, I'm feeling the burn right now. If Barry Sanders, famous Detroit Lions running back, were to play, what position would he play? Is he like a fullback? Uh, yeah. Well, he's not very tall, you know, he's like five, five foot eight. Um, but I think he, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe fullback, maybe striker. I mean, just given how he'd have an Aguero like burst of speed, you know, so, uh, mm-hmm. really good, really good in a tight spot. So I think, I think he, I think he plays as an Aguero S forward. I think he slims down a little bit for the league. I think, uh, uh, yeah, that's 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 where I'd slot him in. So we're here. It's the last game week 21 ended, um, I, well, you know, so we're recording this podcast at daylight. Sorry about that for everyone listening. Uh, uh, we all we've all had family stuff in our lives, and I had family stuff, and it kept us uh, from recording uh, one extra day this week. And uh, happy to be here, though. And just a, a quick reminder, by the way, that the game week twenty two kicks off on Friday, so it's a very short window uh, of time. And Brandon, people should set their bus teams, should they not? Oh yeah, it's good for a for a periodic reminder of what actually a bus team is. This is a term invented and trademarked by the Always Cheating Podcast, lest you forget. Mm-hmm. But listen, when that game week kicks off, whether it's a Friday or a Saturday, uh, as soon as the game week kicks off, immediately go into the app or go onto the FPL site and then set your team for the following game week because you never yeah. know when that bus is just going to come out of nowhere and strike you down. It's not going to kill you, but it could put you in the hospital and the reason why you want to set that bus team is because when you come to out of that coma you don't want to feel mournful and regretful about not having set your team for the next weekend 
Yeah, exactly. It's very it's very straightforward. You and I have done this instinctively the entire time we play, but we we found out that people were not setting that bus team. You gotta you gotta rotate those defenders. You know, you gotta you gotta change those. I mean, yeah, this is before the era where everyone just captain Jamie Vardy, um, which actually weirdly uh, has has not been a thing you could do the last two game weeks. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I don't, we we can't really do a full recap of game week. I mean, game week twenty one ended you know several days ago now, so I don't think we need to go through the the whole thing, but. Um, I think the one of the big stories of the holidays was how much rotation we saw. Um, yeah. You know, especially especially with Lester, and then with with Vardy missing uh, two fixtures. You know, one because of the birth of his his child, and and then a second one um, because of a, I guess a, a, a bit of a calf injury, right? Like a tight calf. Yeah, a tight calf. It's true. And we saw injury with with oddball teams. Sheffield, there were Sheffield United. There were some injuries that played into it, like Lundstrom missing a match or, or Cantwell starting on the bench. Liverpool, though, just steady as she goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jurgen Klopp is like the new Jose Mourinho, where he just doesn't rotate his team yeah. at all. Yeah. So I think we really used Liverpool as our north star through the festive period. But I, yeah, I think you're right. There, it's usually said that the rotation during the holidays is kind of a myth, but it proved to be more real than ever this season. So just as a quick recap of the holiday fixtures, how are you how are you coming out the other side? How are you feeling about your team? How you know, game week twenty one was pretty good for you, right? I think you had like a three hundred thousand rank jump. Yeah, I had a nice jump uh, with 76 points, well above the average. And it was just really a mixed bag over the holidays with two red arrows and two green arrows. Uh, so you, I kind of feel blah about it, but then I went back and I looked at my overall rank history and I'm currently at my best overall rank since game week three. Now okay. it's hard to sort of say what that means because I'm currently around 505,000, but, um, I think upon seeing that I, I'm as high as I've been since game week three, that I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling like maybe I'm moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, you had one one you know good game week, and you almost halved your rank. So clearly, mm-hmm. you know, where, wherever you are right now, you're not stuck in one spot. You know, I mean, you, you're able to jump three hundred thousand people in one in one week. You know, and that was without yeah. any trickery or you know playing any. You, you know, you didn't wild card. You, didn't do any, you know, <laughs> <Trickery>. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You were not cheating. Um, yeah, well, my yeah. my jumps my jumps are one thing, but yours are an entirely other thing. You're you can you continue to be in great FPL form, Josh. Uh, what has been going on the last four game weeks for you? Yeah, it's really. I was looking back. I, you know, I haven't. I've only had two red arrows since game week nine, um, and I, I'm up to thirty one k overall. Um, so it's a jump of about seven hundred thousand spots since game week nine, um, and. Yeah, I had 81 points this game week. And, you know, I was thinking a little bit about what, what's, you know, like what has it been? You know, like what, what has kind of fueled this? And, um, I mean, there's always luck is always a factor. And I, I think you should always, you know, um, remind yourself that, that you have to get a little lucky. But you know, I think part of it was that I have not wasted any transfers bringing out a bunch of underperforming players. Like, like I, I don't waste transfers taking out cheap players who aren't doing well and replace them with other cheap players. Um, I, I think that that's typically a waste of a transfer. Um, and a lot of people like burn mm. four and they'll, you often hear people talk about how um, they've got a bench problem or they have, you know, they need to, you know, they, they, they don't like the way that their players rotate or whatever. And, 
Um, and for me, I just sort of kept those players and I kept them so long that they actually became valuable again. Um, and Todd Cantwell mm-hmm. just was stuck on my bench for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, and then Todd Cantwell suddenly turns into this great fantasy asset. And uh, Ryan Fredericks was kind of the same way. He was my third bench spot for about 10 weeks. And I just never took care of the problem, never felt the need to. Uh, and then I finally started him thinking that there might be like a little bit of a new manager bump for Dave Moyes. And uh, he finished on 11 points. Um, now he's actually just like turned like he has a hamstring injury. Now he's out for like seven weeks. But, you know, I'll always have that one return. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm just yeah. going to stick him right back on my bench. I'm not going to solve that problem. There's no need to, you know, <laughs> he's yeah. going to go back into that third slot. So I think um, people talk about patience and I think people sometimes think about it purely in terms of um, sticking with, you know, ca- like captaining top players or, or sticking with a, with a more patient uh, transfer approach. But I think sometimes patience with your cheapest players is actually something that's valuable too. Um, there's probably a reason you brought them into your team to begin with. I mean, this is something you didn't bring in some like 4.3 million non-starter, you know, but just, if you brought in some player like Fredericks or, I mean, I got kind of mm. lucky with Fredericks for sure, but like yeah, someone like, listen, t- like t- coming, I'm, I'm, I'm going to interrupt you uh, as a Diego Rico owner. Um, I feel like I could, uh, shoot a few few holes in this theory but um i (laughs) guess it's just i I do hear i do hear what you're saying and i I guess i don't think it's untrue it's just that these players if you count diego rico and ryan fredericks in the same group it's just a matter of of hitting them on the right weekend and you know rico has been driving fpl managers crazy because every time he scores points he it's in a fixture that was unexpected and he's trapped on your bench and you can't get to those points and then you want to start him and lo and behold he gets a minus one and yeah uh i i think it goes back to what we were saying about the bus team is just being kind of a more active manager and looking ahead to the fixtures and even looking to your bench and your your disliked bench, your rejected players on your bench for help when you may need them most. Yeah, but otherwise not thinking of your bench as a problem that needs to get solved. You know, I think that that's, right. that's something – um, we're thinking about. So anyway, I don't know, but maybe I've just been lucky. I don't know. I think, um, regardless, it's been, it's been a nice 12 week run. Uh, and yeah, I mean, 31 K at game week 21, that feels pretty good. It definitely puts, uh, I think I'm like 20 points, 22 points away from the top 10 K. Uh, so that is definitely in play, which, uh, which feels good. So, um, yeah, so that's, uh, I definitely came out of it feeling happy with my team. It's, it's kind of funny because now I'm like sort of nervous again. You know, it's that like I had nothing to lose for so long. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you finally start to do well and you're like, oh, wait, like I could actually blow this, you know. And so mm-hmm. I'm starting to get a little um, anxious about about the next few weeks. It's like the, how the Counting Crows felt after August and everything after was a smash success. And suddenly they realized, well, we have to we have to put out another album now. I know. How are we going to do it? Yeah, you got to cover Joni Mitchell. That's the only way to do it, right? It's a- <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So uh, we didn't have any Premier League action over the weekend, but we were treated to many delights uh, from the FA Cup, and it was actually a an FA Cup weekend of fantastic goals. I mm-hmm. watched the Fulham Villa match, and you know, up the cottagers, uh, Harry Arter scored a screamer, and uh, yep. Anthony Knockhart scored a, a vintage Knockhart goal. So it's it's actually Knockhart, great to right. see Anthony Knockhart. Um, and yeah, we saw. Um, I've, I'm blanking on the guy's name from Norwich, who was um, non-starter, but he 
in in the Premier League. Oh, the forward, yeah, I, for his name too. Yep. Um, so the FA Cup, that's that's like a whole other ball of wax. But what are the actual FPL implications that we have since learned? Yeah, I mean, it's still kind of a lot of things are still up in the air. Um, you know, Ben Krellen, who. Um, if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you probably heard us mention it before, but he uh, he's on Twitter. He's at Ben Krellin. That's C-R-E-L-L-I-N. I did a great job of, of just sort of making best guess estimates of when all of these, you know, as teams, you know, progress in the FA Cup, those FA Cup matches t- tend to, you know, they, they end up running on the same weekend as later Premier League fixtures. And so those teams get uh, bumped. They get, you know, they, they have blanks. And so um, those matches have to get replayed at some point. And so he's really valuable at just figuring out when those replayed matches are going to take place, you know, when these double game weeks are going to happen. Um, and so it sounds like there could be about five blanks in game week 31. So that looks like that might be a good opportunity to use your free hit chip if you still have it. Um, one other thing he noted was it, there may not be more than three double game weeks over the course of the rest of the season. So if you've been on the fence about whether or not you want to use your triple captain in game week 24, it probably is safe to just go ahead and use it there because there's a decent chance mm-hmm. that you may not have a better opportunity. It's just something you want to bench boost and a got like, we're already getting into the chip talk, man. I can't, I can't really do it. You know, like it's like, it's <laughs> right. too soon, but uh, yeah. yeah, but I think um, I, so I'm now leaning towards a triple captain myself in game week 24. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was yeah. hearing a, a, some theory the other day that beyond game week 24 it could only actually be game week 37 in which we see another fpl double game week which then has implications on yeah when you might want to play your bench booster or triple captain but now we all have our second half of the season wild cards and people are starting to think of well shall i trigger my wild card just ahead of that late season game week or maybe i should play it now when i kind of need to get a little extra juice in my team and i think um, there is more and more credence to the early second half wild card for managers who are kind yeah. of struggling to call back overall rank. If you if you're struggling to call back rank and you're waiting until game week 36 to play your wild card, I, I just don't. I, I, I that's just not a strategy I agree with. I, I think you might as well just go for it right now and hope you get lucky. But sometimes those wild cards, those double game weeks, don't turn into anything. You know, sometimes they're just complete busts and. You know, to save everything for a you know for a for a game week where there's a few extra matches, and you know, sacrifice game weeks twenty two through thirty five um, in order to be optimized for one game week. Uh, I just don't, or you know, I guess for that game week you wildcard into, then the following one. Um, that that yeah. to me is is not a is not an ideal strategy. If you're if you're like first place in your league or something, sure, I think that's fine, or top five even. But uh, if you're trying to make up ground, I, I waiting to, to play the you know quote unquote optimal strategy, um, I, I don't. I, I would, it's not something I would advocate for. All right, so this is a very special mid-season episode of the podcast. I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but the, thank you for the transition. The, the, there was no, there was no way to transition out of that. So thank you. <laughs> I've got you, buddy. I've got you. Um, like somebody said, it is, it, we are two real friends talking about fantasy sports. That's just how it goes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is a very special episode. Our mid-season report card. Josh and I are going to talk about all 20 Premier League teams and give them a report card rating and talk about um, assets that we've talked about or should be talking more about at this point in the season. But before we get into that midseason report card, let's do some important housekeeping. We have the Always Cheating Super League. And uh, after game week 21, let's give our top 10 the due. 
Uh, starting in 10th place, we've got FPL Lewis. Then in 9th, Brian Lister. In 8th place, Rasmus Odin. 7th place, Neil Thompson. Then 2, Lumbi in 6th. Maru Zurashi in 5th place. In 4th, it's Kieran Screeton in 3rd place. Declan Ryan, just one consonant away there from a from a great West Ham defensive <laughs> midfielder. Up to second place, it's James Mackay. And in first, Christopher Bergman, currently ranked 99 overall in the world. Talking about cracking the top 10K, Josh. Christopher cracking the top 100. Kudos to you. And it's never too late to join the Super League. Just go to alwayscheating.com or our social media accounts to get that league code. And Brennan, it's early on in January. Early in a month is always a great time to become a new Patreon supporter. You get that full month covered uh, with your Patreon support. And Brennan, we do an extra podcast each week for our Patreon supporters. We're finally back to a normal-ish schedule, which I kind of mm-hmm. like. It was really tricky to record yeah. those Patreon podcasts when there's like eight minutes you, to you listen to You took the them. brunt of it. You did bonus podcasts on Thanksgiving and Chris, and Boxing Day. Boxing so, Day, not uh, Christmas. I, yeah. Uh, the, the way it fell <laughs> I will tip my hat to you there. <laughs> so we're back on a normal schedule. Uh, I'm actually doing the, the bonus episode this week. So uh, if you like my voice and you want a lot more of it, then, uh, then there's, your, mm-hmm. there's your enticement. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash always cheating to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, lots of different pledge levels. You get access to the bonus podcast. You get access to to our Slack, our private leagues. Uh, winner of the private league gets a pick of anything they want from the Always Cheating Shop. Quick thank you to our new patrons this week, two new producer patrons, fplmerch.com. Brandon, we both got some, some nice mugs from FPL Merch. And, yeah, uh, actually, a pint, pint glass is great for yeah, uh, boozing yeah, it up classes. on a Saturday or Sunday morning watching those Premier League fixtures. That's right. Uh, and James Conroy as well. Thank you. Uh, James Conroy is actually upgraded to a producer patron. So thank you, James. Uh, Lord Sorloth, we have Robert Wolves, Francis Burke, Saeed Elmansari, uh, Jackson Petofsky, Dave Arnold, and Michael Littman. Thank you so much to our new Lord Sorloth patrons. Uh, some new Pookie patrons, Simon Ricardson, Martin Bjerg. Adam Galley and Oli Calione. Thank you to Oliver. That's got to be. Is that a real name? That's that's probably like a play. no clue. A, no yeah, clue. Yeah. I ain't from around here. <laughs> so once again, Patreon.com/slash Always Cheating. We're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna get back into our midseason review. All right, Brandon, we're back. <laughs> Our little st- I mean, you and I talk about Star Wars so much that we actually talk Star Wars during the break as well. We couldn't yeah, uh, we couldn't yeah, stop talking. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're here with our midseason report card. We're going to give every team a letter grade. We're going to talk about what we've seen from them so far, what we might, you know, we're going to try to keep this fantasy focused, but, uh, you know, we may, we may drift a little bit. I, you may drift. I, I'll, I'll stay on target the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <laughs> let's kick things off with, with Arsenal. Mikel Arteta has changed everything. I have not had an Arsenal player in my team all 21 game weeks this season. Wait, oh, that's not true, actually. I had that Spanish guy who never played. The Bios. <laughs> <laughs> what a uh-huh. horrible, what a disaster that was. Um, uh-huh. so, so, so much promise. Yeah. Yeah, so much promise. He had one good game. Um, so Mikel Arteta's in. I think they now have, if you include today's FA Cup match, uh, is it three clean sheets in a row? I um, I know they did concede a goal in the Bournemouth game, but I couldn't remember when that was. So anyway, they have a couple of clean sheets in a row. We'll leave it at that. Uh, they looked great in the Man United match. I don't know if you watched that one. Uh, really, I did. I did. That, I mean, I think there is an argument to be made in the Arsenal-Manchester United match where United were just abysmal. Um, 
I mean, those are always difficult arguments to make where it's like, well, did did this team look good or did this team look bad? Right. It is uh, possible for both things to be true at the same time. Yeah. So I, I think I do lean toward the argument of while Manchester United were completely listless, Arsenal did actually look good. And I, I think just just broadly speaking about Arsenal – uh, myself like are those the winds of change that I feel it was yep. it was less that Arsenal looked awesome against Manchester United it just felt something about their performance looked different uh yeah and I don't I think, think it was a trick of the eye yeah Michael Cox said they're playing in at times in a a two three five right now um with uh with Mikel or, uh, with um excuse me uh Kolosnik, uh way up there as like almost like almost out of position forward in that team and there's just kind of this idea that that Arteta came in and kind of knew exactly what he wanted to do immediately um it's so cool I mean it's really if you're an arsenal fan this is i mean this is probably the most exciting i mean they don't have like nearly the players that you want them to have and like you know it's not like there's a long way to go with this team but it's like it seems like someone is in charge actually knows what he's doing and has like a plan in place josh there is so much promise there is so much promise with the arteta regime that nick hornby is already crafting an outline for his next novel (laughs) yeah Uh exactly (laughs) uh yeah I'm, i'm i'm sure you're right about that uh but as far as fantasy goes, are you so the Klosnik thing kind of tempting? It's five point two million though, which is which is which is you know pretty pretty pricey. Um, I don't know. Are, are you tempted by any player in that team right now? It, it yeah, I I have this hope, this deep seated hope that Lacazette actually is going to step up and become. Uh, a worthy oh, asset. Look, <laughs> I know we we've all fallen <laughs> like, into that trap year before. Three, listen, year three of you hoping Lacazette becomes a reliable fantasy. It's asset. all there though. He's he's actually starting now. He's playing with his buddy Aubameyang. Aubameyang, you know that pricey asset. And yeah, we were talking a, a couple weeks ago about how yeah that is the trap. Like why go for Lacazette when you just because he's cheaper. Always just go for the best uh, asset in the team for your FPL squad, and that's a bomb uh-huh. yang. But, but there there are the makings here of Lacazette being that player because he is central, because we know that he is probably the best pound-for-pound um, pound just pure finisher on mm-hmm. Arsenal. Mm-hmm. If you were be able to pull that together along with consistent minutes, uh, it, it could conceivably happen. That said, it's like firm watch list territory. It's pure optimism. I'm nowhere <laughs> close to even putting my mouse over Lacazette's uh, little shirt there on the FPL side. Uh, no, I, maybe Leno would be a p- possible, uh, possibly an interesting option uh, if you want to be a little bit different as a, as a keeper. Uh, he's had kind of a sneaky, decent season. Um, I can't think of one moment all season that he had like a massive howler. I feel like he's been pretty... Pretty solid all year for them. Kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Well, okay. So where I am at, okay, I, Leno, interesting. But where I'm at, I have just took a punt on Sidibe on Everton, who is, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, I bought him at like 5.3. He's up to 5.4. Mm-hmm. I, I have no great faith that Everton is going to be a team that I can ride for the rest of the season. So mm-hmm. imagine it just really doesn't work out with Sidibe. I think that some people might find themselves in this place where they have um, enough money or they have a defender that they 
find disposable, and they could immediately switch to Colossnack. So what you're saying about Colossnack playing so much farther forward, I I could see a future. It's like the same optimism that got me to Lacazette. I could see a future in which Colossnack becomes a hot FPL property. Yeah, I I think so. It's too bad he's so expensive. I, I think last year he... I, I don't know. I guess he's he's sort of priced for his attacking potential, and uh, you know, but five five point two is a lot. I, I'm not I'm not quite sold enough on this team to really. I mean, this whole team, Pepe nine point one. You know, if they if they were priced like Wolverhampton assets, I'd be all over these players. You know, but even someone like even mm-hmm. someone like Ozil would be super tempting if he was like five point two million or something. But at you know, if he was if he was priced like <laughs> mm-hmm. Moutinho, you know, you'd consider it. But at seven point two, he's way too expensive uh, for you know i mean honestly i mean he only has he has no goals and two assists in the season um hasn't actually done anything since he's created one big chance all season yeah ex- yeah and so he, i think it's just the fact that he's running hard that's what people are excited about uh the pepe thing is kind of interesting I mean, if he finds his confidence maybe he's someone you know who, who might be a player it was, certainly he was quite good in the french league last year so um it's so there's not a lot to talk about fantasy wise right now for them but it's they're at least back on my radar. And so for that, Brandon, I'm going to give them a C minus. <laughs> that's my, that's my grade was, so far. Yeah. I was going to be a little more generous and give them a C plus because it was, it's sort of like they were definitely in D plus C minus territory, but they went ahead and did the extra extra credit, the homework uh, by hiring – yeah. <laughs> by firing Emery, <laughs> less firing Emery, more making a, a somewhat inspired hire away from yeah. Pep Guardiola's teams, and uh, uh, I think that I think that puts them in my good stead. Is this grade a fantasy grade or like a real life how this team is doing grade? Okay, I guess I, guess I be... did go for real life there. <laughs> Let's go real um, life. That's okay. It's a fantasy podcast. We'll, we'll do yeah. real life with the grade, fantasy with the with the with the discussion. I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah, if it's a fantasy grade, like half of these teams are getting Fs, and it's yeah, just not going to be a lot of fun for anyone. zeros. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, we'll go <laughs> yeah, with real life yeah, grades. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Aston Villa, uh, Wesley, and Heaton, both out of the, for the season with knee injuries. I guess Jack Grealish is going to need to score like 15 goals and 15 assists. Um, so I heard, you know, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. I, I see your note here about how Botchwai has been linked. Uh, Botchwai apparently doesn't want to go there. <laughs> there was some article that was like, why would he's going to need, he's going to need a lot of convincing to go, <laughs> to go there. Uh, I thought Crystal I mean, Palace was in for him. Yeah. And, and Botchwai, didn't he, pl- he was on loan at Crystal Palace last season or the season prior. He has a, yeah, last season. um, some history there and he can stay in London in that sense. I mean, uh, also what, what's the harm in, Staying at Chelsea, you'll get the odd substitute. He's he's clearly yeah. second in line behind Abraham. Yeah, Giroud's being uh, Giroud is apparently um, leaving in January. That's the that's the new rumor. So yeah, I agree. Um, and and Mitro has been linked too. That's interesting. I hadn't seen that. Yeah, I just saw that this afternoon. So um, Mitrovic, along with Batshuayi, linked to Aston Villa, and you'd think that move. It just makes so much sense for Villa in that the role that Wesley was performing pretty well 
decently yeah. kind of an unsung hero here was great hold up play and decent in the air just like the big lad sort of striker and Mitrovic yeah. is that with probably uh ben- better uh, finishing prowess mm-hmm. however like Fulham have done so much for Mitro and Mitro made the choice to follow them back to the championship I do find that one a little harder to swallow but the the thing yeah. that makes all this striker January window uh, transfer rumor stuff interesting is because the additional rumor is that Kajia, who is the actual backup Villa striker right now, has already been long linked to be going off on a move um, in January. So mm. it just seems to be very unsettled what's going on. And yeah, does that, we're both Grealish owners, does that immediately make you itchy to dump Grealish? Not really. It's kind I mean, of been a miracle how consistently he's, he's been like performing. Scoring, it's they're not necessarily against the run of play, but it's not like he's like scoring like in the midst of the. It's like he's scoring in these like just these like well struck balls outside the box, taken kind of quickly and creatively. You know, it's not. I mean, it's not like he's. Uh, yeah. It's like he just gets the ball and he just bang, you know, and you know, a lot of like near, I feel, I feel like he scored like two near post goals in the last few game weeks. And just, you know, I mean, given his form, given his price, um, he's not going anywhere for me for the immediate future. I mean, I, I feel great about him right now. I mean, the, the thought of dropping him right now seems, uh, seems kind of silly, don't you think? I like the the insecure don't uh, you think I added at the end there. Like that seems silly. <laughs> don't you agree? <laughs> like, like knitting my yeah, hands surely, together. <laughs> surely you agree with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it 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 goes hand in hand with what you were saying uh, about your festive period and in your learnings of your own team and and patience with the 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 cheap and cheaper mid range mid range options. Like you look at Grealish. Like maybe you can predict that there's a problem, but as it is right now. Nothing is broke with Jack Grealish, so don't worry about it. You yeah. may have a chance to worry about it in a few weeks, but but now is not the time. The, the one other thing we can mention about Villa is with Heaton being out, also with a knee injury for the rest of the season, it's a big day for the Norwegian lads. Mm. Um, Oren Nyland uh, is presumed to be, I think, the oh, yeah. the um, big the backup for Heaton. He's already started one match this mm-hmm. Premier League, but mm-hmm. that's a 4.3 goalkeeper. Uh, shades of um, that completely awful guy who started for West Ham for like three weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes these 4.3 keepers aren't all they're cracked yeah. up to be, but it's, true. it's, it's got wild card, yeah. double Martin. game week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, no, David Martin is actually the good one. Who was the, who was oh, the, uh, was Rober- it? In, Roberto? Yeah, Roberto, just like yeah. an absolute yeah, joke stunk. of a goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Orland Nyland, one to watch out for when you wildcard and you're looking ahead to a possible Villa double game week. So uh, in, in case they, that's they a end good, up blank. Yeah, I think that's a good – that's a, that's that's fair. I think – you know, it's interesting. We talked about um, grades for, for teams. In some ways, I think the, the fantasy grade for Aston Villa is better than the real grade. Um, they have, you know, they've had <laughs> Jack Grealish, who is, who is a, you know, been a decent option. Jam, uh, you know, McGinn was, was a pretty good option. So in the first half of the season, he was, and, um, you yeah. know, even the de- defense, I mean, they had their moments, uh, with, with Heaton and, um, uh, you know, Mings is, I think he scored two goals in the season. They, you know, they, they were pretty good defensively at home before everyone, everything kind of went to hell. So I'm going to give them a, mm-hmm. I'm going to give them a B plus for fantasy and a, C minus for team performance. 
Yeah, um, I would go D plus on team performance because they just flatter to deceive uh, mm -hmm. in real life. They're just like they look like a decent squad. They put in decent performances, but they they have like virtually no points to show for it. But so yeah, good that call mean, on like, the B plus. That's your your number grade is like fifty eight. And mine's like uh, 61 or something. Uh, <laughs> or <a> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You start to get on that pitchfork sliding scale. <laughs> oh, it's uh, actually a 6.6 6, um, versus a 7.2. Yeah. Uh, but but I'm with you on the B plus fantasy wise. Yeah, um, but, yeah, but keep, uh, keeping Grealish moving forward, staying away from virtually everyone else. I think I, I don't think you can trust any of their defenders anymore. Even even someone like Matt Target who's got a little. Well, obviously he's injured right now, but he's got a little bit of a tanky potential. I think um, I think that whole defense you just got to avoid. It's just not mm -hmm. cohesive. I don't trust that it will be at any point the rest of the season. Yeah. All right. Here's an easy one for us. Bournemouth. Um, I'll just start with my letter grade uh, F. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm talking about uh, fantasy or, or real life. Got Both. a question here yeah. from our friend Byron Brew. Uh, he asks, please just lay into Diego Rico. That is all. So, yeah, I hate Already Diego Rico. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I do not regret calling calling him Sergio Rico for a good month <laughs> of the season. So yeah. um, that <laughs> Bournemouth have been awful. I don't know how much I was responsible because of the really it was the the Callum the Truth Wilson was when this really all kicked off. Can you believe it was it was it was a mere fourteen <laughs> weeks ago when we were talking about him as one of the essential players in the game? We were we were printing t shirts for this guy, <laughs> yeah. right? We were we were all but like contacting our printer to, to yeah. print t shirts for this man. And he has had no goals and no assists since game week seven. What is that like September? Like, do how you think war with Iran is going to help Callum Wilson get back to his scoring ways? Yeah, and in my head, I'm like, well, he was injured for a while. He only missed one game. <laughs> you know, only one match. I mean, he he's blanked in so many matches, and I, yeah, yeah, maybe war with Iran will change things. I, I don't know, <laughs> um, but they have a gr they have a great run of fixtures coming out too. Um, so I mean, I guess you have to keep Rico for indefinitely, right? Probably start him for a couple of these. Well, I mean, he's 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 in he's with the Duns camp in the corner right now. He's on my bench. He's not going to play <laughs> against Watford. He's being punished. Um, <laughs> it's good emotional play. That's always this. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you got to play with your heart, not your head, Josh. That's that's the first lesson of fantasy. Um, I don't know. It's it's odd. He he is an odd player. It's just an odd team. And I mean, as we kind of grew to understand with the truth is that the truth isn't always good. The truth just tells you the way things are, the, right. the, the way the world is. And Bournemouth is sort of, even though the truth plays for them, I do feel like Bournemouth is shrouded in uncertainty. It's like the phantom menace. Yeah. It's rare to see they have five red flags, like five full on, like cannot play red flags uh, in their defense, which is, which is, that's a lot. And, mm -hmm. and then, you know, there's even a couple more too, because you, David Brooks, Josh King, uh, Dan Juma, there's just a lot of people who are out of the team for, and they don't have a lot of depth. And I mean, they're talking about moving Nathaniel uh, Ake and, that seems really risky to me. I and mean, if he's going to be back anytime soon, you probably have to hold him just to stay up. You know, it kind of it's reminiscent of uh, of uh, when when I think I'll, I feel like I brought this up in the podcast before, but when Swansea sold Gilfie Sigurdsson a few few seasons ago, and it was like, well, okay, like you made a profit on them, but now you're going to go down. 
you know, and like was and they did that season. And so you worry Who's that if they're playing Nathan Ake. He's he's good. I mean, like it's hard to assess how good he is because <laughs> it's he true. Has to, he's required to do a lot in that team, and yeah. you know he's got a decent nose for goal. I, I think he's a pretty solid defender. I, I don't know, uh, but I, there's there's talk like Chelsea's talked about trying to maybe buy him back. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah, I don't think okay. there's too much to say. It was it was fun for the first few weeks, and it's been just awful for a long time now. So. It's too bad. Yeah. I guess they're probably going to go down, right? I mean, would you yeah. would you peg them to go down right now if you were betting? Would you bet that they were going to go down? Yes, I, I I would. I would I would put them at uh, yeah probably nineteenth place by the end. Yeah. of Yeah, the, the problem too is when you look ahead to their fixtures, they have a nice run right now, and then their their run to to close the season is brutal. Uh, Man United away, Spurs, Leicester, Man City, and then Everton away to close out the season. Um, and they also play Chelsea and Liverpool a couple weeks before that bad run comes around. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I see any points from those matches. So they're going to have to really clean up over the next few. Uh, but they have yeah. to do it with a really shorthanded team. So, well, um, you're talking about uh, yeah. you talk about Swansea and them selling Guilfrey Sigurdsson and Ashley Williams left shortly thereafter, and you just you got the sense from that club that they were they were just ready to cash in. It was maybe just too much work. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of money to be broadcast yeah. in the Premier League, but you do wonder if things have just run their course with Bournemouth and now they're just going to cash in a little bit mm-hmm. and try and I don't know, I don't run a club, but um yeah. maybe no, it's I, just just trying time to go back to the start. I know, I yeah, maybe maybe, maybe, yeah. Um but it, it doesn't look good. It's it's too bad because I've always liked to play, you know, they're they're a positive team and the more positive teams in the Premier League, the better. That's why I don't want Norwich to go down either. You know, it's just like they're fun to watch. Even even when they're bad, they're fun to watch. I'm going to give them a D minus, Brandon, because I feel bad for them, and I don't want to give them an F. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I have I have no regrets. I do think though that this is a good transition to uh, Brighton, a team that has pulled themselves out of the mire mm-hmm. and that brought in Graham Potter, who is reinvigorated the club. They've looked fantastic this season from an FPL perspective. Um, I guess Matt Ryan might be the most uh, the most popular of the FPL picks, and he's done right by uh, a fair amount of managers. You've done pretty well with a Matt Ryan Pope rotation. Yep, it's kind of like he I feel like he's been chugging along in the points, Matt Ryan, and not recently, but only five clean sheets for the Brighton defense on the season. I probably uh, not looking at the stats would have guessed six or seven clean sheets yeah. for Brighton, but that is not the case. The other guy that we should just mention who is really his bandwagon is picking up steam with people looking for a third striker is Neil Maupe, mm-hmm. who's at 5.8, seven goals and one assist on the season so far. So where are you rating these Brighton assets midway through the season? Yeah, I, not, I, I, not that highly to be, to be honest. I mean, I, they're, they're just, I don't know. Like they're they're kind of they're I feels like they're kind of like a team in flux right now. Um where they're sort of they're a little bit like Aston Villa actually, where they're they're kind of fun to watch and yet you sort of see them and you're like, oh you're in fourteenth like you, it feels like they're doing better than they are. Um, you know, so they only have like one like if you ask me like how they did over the holidays, I'd be like, Oh, they won like what, like two matches, maybe three. Uh they they have one win over that run and you know, two losses and two draws, and they they just sort of feel like they're like a more positive, more fun team to watch, but I'm not really sure what 
I'm getting with them in a particular game week. And, you know, there's all these sort of young players, and, and I'm talking kind of a fantasy here now again, is, you know, players like like Troussard and Pascal Gross. You know, Aaron Moy might actually be the player I'd be most interested in fantasy-wise. You know, 4.8 million, yeah. um, really good Huddersfield, obviously didn't have like really anyone to work with there. Um, and has, you know, the results aren't, I mean, it's not like his numbers are incredible. I mean, he's got one goal and one assist on the season, but, um, uh, I could see if you had a certain kind of formation that he'd be like a good rotatable, uh, midfield option. Mape, I think, I think is, is decent if you, if you need, you know, especially if you need money, you know, like maybe you're trying to get money for a Sala Mane midfields for the upcoming double game week, then maybe, maybe he makes sense there. I mean, he's really really a ta- really aggressive player um you know just a, um seems like he you know, positioning's pretty good he's uh i don't he's not very tall is he I mean, i'm trying to think like i it feels like he's kind of like a little aguero where he's kind of like he kind of yeah moves around a little you know so i don't know like he feels like he's he's not like one of those big like stand in the last guy put your hand up kind of players you know it feels like he sort of like sneaks in and scores some goals that way so um, right. I, you know, I'm not enough of a Brighton fan to really properly assess him, but yeah, I think that he's, I think he's decent, but uh, to be honest, I, I don't really have a lot of interest in any of these Brighton players outside of continuing to hold on to Matt Ryan. Yeah, I think that's right. The issue with Mape that the stats point out is just over the last three or four game weeks, he, he's only had, uh, like three big chances and he's managed to, to score just one goal so the the opportunities that he's he's taking a lot of shots, but they're really poor and they're from poor mm. positions and um, they aren't great goal scoring opportunities. So while he's active, maybe it's it's a little deceptive, but still, I think you're right that he he is the price is right for him. The positioning is right for your FPL squad. If you're looking to find a little cash to, to fund yeah. some more Liverpool yeah. players. I would probably give Brighton from a fantasy perspective like a C plus on the season because it's like it's a lot of little victories for them. Like Aaron Connolly mm-hmm. had a brief window where yeah. he was four point five and starting. Maybe he wasn't scoring all that much. And um Lewis Dunk has had a little time to shine. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, um, bless him. So yeah, I, I think C plus for me and then You've just got to be firmly in the B territory as a Brighton fan in real yeah. life. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, it, it feels like they're going to stay up. It feels like they have enough enough attacking-wise and defensively to stay up. Um, you know, just the way that – I don't know. I, it's hard to – like I, I was thinking about Norwich and how they just kind of blew that Crystal Palace game, um, uh, you know, on, the, on New Year's Day. And I just – like – it feels like Brighton is solidly defensive, solidly enough defensively that they would they would be able to like successfully salt away a one nil, you know, the last ten minutes of it and find a way to do that. And I, it's just hard to imagine them going down. So yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm with you there. Uh, once because like it's like once you feel safe, then you're like okay, now we can integrate Trossard. We can you know see how Moy and Pascal Gross can play together. I mean, I, I'm I am sort of intrigued with this team too. So I think I think did you say C plus? Because I think I'm with you on that one. That seems yeah. yes, that seems about I right. Did. Um, and Ali Ali J, by the way, um, still too expensive, but uh, um, two goals and two, and an amazing overhead kick. So someone to consider, or like at least I love a, I, keep an eye on. I love a guy who cries every time he scores a goal. It's two for two <laughs> now that he cries. What a legend! <laughs> All right, uh, Burnley, another kind of kind of like Bournemouth, actually. 
early on, yeah. uh, your boy Ashley Barnes, your main man, uh, was uh, <laughs> just, just great like, Austrian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just an incredible run of form to start the season, um, and and then I don't know what happened. Well, like that was like fifteen weeks ago, and I don't know what what's going on right now. Yeah, he hasn't scored since. He scored two on the bounce in game weeks 12 and 13, and then he's just kind of vanished. And then you you look uh, across the field to his partner, Chris Wood, and he has eight goals on the season, but, you know, they're they're pretty much spread out uh, every four games. He's scoring a goal, and that's not good enough at 6.2, especially given, you know, the likes of Mape that we're talking about. Uh, I don't know what happened i you wonder if it's it's really a trick of balancing the scales with sean dyche where they were scoring but they could not keep a clean sheet and then somehow they stopped scoring and then were just getting blown away by people and now it seems like they're tightening up just a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been to the detriment of uh getting that ball upfield and getting into an attacking position so um yeah that's that's my guess and, and yeah. then the the issue just looking forward is Burnley's fixtures are getting pretty miserable, at least for the next month with Chelsea, Leicester, Manchester United and Arsenal to come. So, yeah, I don't know. Have we seen the best of Burnley already? Possibly. Yeah. And I think, uh, um, you know, I think Goodmanson being out has really hurt them, too. I, I sort of think about him as kind of their talismanic player, you know, the one who really makes things happen on the pitch. He's he's barely been able to play the entire season um you know scores a goal in their three nil win to start off the season uh plays limited minutes and then he's out basically from game week four to game week 19 uh, and even in, since game week 19 he's only played 22 minutes 22 minutes and 45 minutes so um you know but i think yeah like you said i, I don't see a lot of points in the upcoming four fixtures are terrible uh but they've got a pretty decent run out to, to end the season so I, th- I think they probably do stay up in the end i think they're good enough defensively um i still want my boy mcneil to emerge as a fantasy asset mm-hmm. he's too expensive at six million yeah, earning but... every pound of that six million price tag <laughs> five, One assists. Goal, five assists well, five assists is not bad you, you like be honest like you thought he had fewer than five assists right i did to be honest. i just yeah. i just looked and i was like well, i shouldn't be too harsh on the boy <laughs> all right let's let's move on anything else you want to say i, I just yeah. wanted to ask you before you give them a grade uh you are a nick pope owner mm-hmm. where are you with him you're rotating him so you can afford to keep him on the bench during this poor run yeah uh, but what what's what am I gonna what am I gonna what am I gonna do? You know, I mean, burn a transfer when I've got Matt Ryan. I mean, it doesn't seem. Um, I'm just gonna hold hold and pray, Brandon. That's all you can do sometimes. You know, I Cross can hear fingers. all of our Norwegian listeners just yelling, "Orin Nyland, Orin <laughs> Nyland." Uh, I mean, th- what's nice is that Ryan actually has a, quite a good run during that same time. So I think uh, yeah. it's 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 not really in, in, too much of an issue. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like like who's what keeper is worth owning right now? Anyone doing well? Is there anyone you really no. want? I mean, yeah, not Henderson's really. got a terrible run of fixtures coming up. It's Ben Foster. Maybe Ben Foster is the one the one keeper you might consider. Yeah. 
Okay, do you want to give these guys a letter grade or should we just move on to Chelsea? I'm going to give them a D- and move on to Chelsea. Same grade as, uh, okay. same grade as Bournemouth. Chelsea, Danny Bean says, Tammy Abraham, 7.8 million forward, 33.2% owned. Thank you for pulling those numbers, Danny. Says 12 points. Did you do that, Brandon? That was me, uh, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, 12 points across <laughs> the last two matches with Burnley and Newcastle up next. Does he need to be swapped for Ings, though, just as a defensive move? So I don't believe in defensive moves this early in the season. I don't think you should – if you're – if, I don't care how far you're up in your mini league. If you start thinking defense this early, it's you're going to abandon all the things that got you where you were. You know, that that got you to the top of the table. I, I you know, I don't think that. I mean, do you agree with me? I mean, I, I just like. I feel like I would maybe start thinking about defense starting with like a game week 35. You know, maybe maybe the team I put I put together for double game week, something like that. But to be thinking about defense this early, I mean, to me, I would only make a move if I thought. I was moving from a player that I either I needed to free up money or I thought the other player was better. I would not be doing it for defensive mm-hmm. purposes. Yeah, I mean, I generally agree with you, but I think there are defensive moves if you're in a mini league where I can't see how you'd be top of your mini league without Trent Alexander-Arnold or without Kevin De Bruyne. But mm-hmm. if you somehow were, I would say that was a defensive move worth making right now is to bring one of those players mm-hmm. in. Okay, but that's, a good, Ings, no, that's a good like, point. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I I do respect what Danny Ings is doing right now. Thirteen goals is he's crushing it. But Southampton, I I just don't believe it. Um, th- th- this is spoken like a true. I mean, guess who I don't own? Danny Ings. <laughs> so here yeah. I am. Here yeah. I am making the case so that I can sleep at night. But <laughs> Leicester Wolves, Palace, Liverpool coming up in the next four. I do not think that Danny Ings is the is your biggest priority right now if you don't have him. Yeah, I I do have him. I've only had him for two game weeks, but it's been great. Uh, uh, he gets I don't know if you knew this, Brandon, but he gets nine points every time he goes on the pitch. It's incredible. I've never I, I wonder if any players ever has scored nine points in uh, uh, Firmino is the only player I could think of. I would get nine <laughs> points. It's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six out of 21 fixtures so far in the season, he has nine points as his return. Um, so he just very, it's like he gets a goal and he's doing enough other positive things that when he gets that goal, he's getting three bonus points. Like almost yeah. you know, incredibly, I think he's on, what is it? Uh, 27 bonus points by the way this is our this is our chelsea section um <laughs> thank god we're getting the southampton chat out of the way so we don't yeah, have to come back to it 27 bonus points this season so uh, but let's get back to the tammy thing where are, do yeah. you still have oh you you just dropped tammy so you're probably um yeah. not the right person to ask about this but do you, how no. are you feeling about tammy right now well I dropped Tammy last week for Jimenez, and that was a three-point loss for me. But I felt like I don't know if this if this Chelsea section is just Brandon confirmation bias. Um, <laughs> I dropped Tammy despite these decent fixtures because Chelsea, like Chelsea, have not looked good. Their form has totally fallen off. Tammy didn't get rotated over the festive fixtures, which was encouraging for Tammy owners, but he was kind of starved for chances. And when he did get on the ball, he didn't look as sharp as he did like even a month ago. And Mm -hmm. there's Jimenez right there. It was an easy swap for me to make a guy who I think we'd both agree is fixture proof. And he's just carried on his 
amazing form from last season. So what's not to love? So it just felt like a move that I had that I wanted to make sooner rather than later. Yep. I, uh, and, but, but even Tammy getting that assist in game week 21, you still saw the same problems that were all the, the worrying signs of Chelsea. They're not looking great right now. So you could say that Chelsea's fixtures look good, but these great fixtures have not, you know, borne a lot of FPL fruit of late for, for Chelsea assets. We've already had to get rid of all of our Chelsea midfielders because they're doing nothing. Um, so I, I feel like Danny should be looking to move Tammy on though. You know, conversely, you already have Tammy, you know, he's going to start. He's a striker on a currently a top six club. The differential goals could come for you there if everyone else is jumping ship. And that's one less transfer that you have to make. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess if it were me, I would hold uh, Tammy for Burnley and Newcastle because Burnley and Newcastle are terrible. And then I would probably drop him before game week 24. Uh, it's funny because game week 24 is Arsenal at home. And he just scored in that Arsenal match, although he scored very late in that game. And I guess it's a sign of my newfound respect for what Arteta is doing there that I no longer see that as, a, as an amazing fixture for Chelsea. Um, Gaming 24 is actually a convenient time to do it because you could upgrade him to Roberto Firmino for a third Liverpool player, or you could downgrade him to a Mape or something like that and free up enough money to to move um to move in like you know maybe to upgrade a uh, one defender to robertson or something like that so um that's that's what i'm that's what i would do yeah so if i'm looking at the last time chelsea played newcastle it was um a one nil win uh tammy played 90 minutes he did nothing going back to the burnley fixture it was an assist for tammy Mm -hmm. talk about easy fixtures for chelsea uh tammy blanked against southampton he blanked against bournemouth in game week 17 i I just don't i don't see a lot of correlation and causation here uh with chelsea so i yeah well maybe we you and i just look at it differently then you know what do you think about about that (laughs) oh yeah okay all right all right so so i do think i do think at this point that tammy is the only player worth discussing right now with Chelsea given the problems I mentioned with their midfield and I feel like the day of Tamari has has finally passed yeah um so that's gone but if you if you look at the mid-season report card Chelsea have done more than enough for us it's like great go go take some time off yeah I I think that's very fair yep a minus B plus. I'd agree with you on the A minus. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as fantasy assets moving forward, I, I'm with you. I, no, no, no defense. I think midfield's a whole way out, like a write off, too. I mean, I look at the midfield, I don't see anybody that I'm interested in. You know, nobody that I would trust. Uh, even Jorginho at 4.9. So like, just, get, just get Todd Cantwell. You know, like, why, why are you messing around with Jorginho? Give me a break. Just get a mid cheap midfielder on the worst team in the league, and you'll be great. <laughs> who can't I mean, stop, it sounds crazy, but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah, right. yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to Crystal Palace. Uh, no clean sheets in their last five matches, and as you noted here, Brandon, only six on the season. That's that's surprising. I would have thought they would have had more than six in twenty one. That seems a little a little low. Yeah, it, it's a little bit like how I was feeling about Brighton, where only five clean sheets. I thought that was an interesting point of comparison. And you'd think with 
you know, how crazy everyone was over Martin Kelly and Guaita was the, the goalkeeper du jour for a while there, despite his 5.0 price tag, um, you know, to not have a single clean sheet in their last five matches is not what you want to see from Palace. And, nope. you nope. know, if, if, if you're not talking about the defense at Palace, then what are you talking about? You're, you're talking no. about Jordan Ayew running through the net. No. And, Dreams. and, and- as you know, I'm waiting until Lord Sorlath returns for a season-long loan to have any Crystal Palace assets. It's a one-year protest for me. So uh, hopefully next season he returns and we can talk about them in full. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean the – Return yeah, of the king. You know, okay, to be serious for one second, if we're talking about midfield, uh, you know, like, like enabling players, like players that free up cash to for a double game week or for or for what you know, any other movie you're thinking about – Jordan Ayew, is that a, would you consider him at all? Yeah. Five goals, one sure. assist, five million. I mean, he's, you got to think about it, right? Yeah. I think there are worse ways to spend, spend that money for sure. <laughs> ran through a net once. <laughs> he ran through a net in my dream. So, you know, it's incredible. What a player. What a player. Uh, yeah. He's one of those players that'll come in in, you know, at some point in your fantasy season, do a job, and then you yeah. just have to have the guts to immediately get rid of him. You have to lease Musay. I know. Yeah. That is so true. And I, I know I held on. Well, I guess it worked out okay in the end. I, I moved Musay to Ings, but Ings, but I did I did hold on for like three weeks too long. And so that that is the trap. It's the it's the it's the yeah, it's the trap of the the cheap striker the you know any striker okay how about this as a, as a general rule brandon outside of harry kane uh-huh. like eight years ago if you are a striker and you're five million or cheaper you cannot be trusted and i don't want you in my team i don't even want the temptation there okay like moving yeah. forward it's yeah. 5.5 higher bust yeah exactly all right let's move on from palace everton speaking of cheap forwards dominic calvert lewin has not received a lot of love so far in this podcast probably deserved at this point eight goals in the season that is more than i was expecting i did not realize he yeah. had scored quite so many uh and then richarlison who you loathe uh has uh seven goals and four mm-hmm. assists on the season you know scored uh way to city that was impressive and uh um still too expensive he's, he's very smug josh very <laughs> smug um, and then you have Sidibe as well. So tell me about Sidibe. Why did you bring him in? What was the, what was the temptation there? Well, so there seemed to be this renaissance happening at Everton, not because of um, Ancelotti, but it was as soon as Marco Silva left. And mm-hmm. um, whatever Duncan Ferguson did, I mean, they just like scare the crap out of everyone. But right. their their defense immediately became uh, very tight. And... My impulse was, well, now uh, Lucas Dean is back on the table and he dipped below six million, which is a scary price tag. Yeah. Then when you look at it, then you you watch Everton the last month. You're like, well, who is this other guy who defender who is getting way up the pitch? Yeah. Well, it's a guy who's much cheaper than Lucas Dean. And Sidibe, he has not been rotated. Uh, He will outlast the Seamus Coleman's of Everton. Um, wonderful a player as Seamus Coleman is. He just has that he is he is that great combination of uh of things that makes an FPL asset. He's playing mm-hmm. he's playing ahead of his FPL position. He's sometimes 
just has a midfield role and not a fullback role, especially when right. Coleman is playing. So I, I do think at 5.4 for basically a midfielder who's getting defender points, if if he can start putting it all together, I think he's a great asset. And 1.7% ownership, he is the type of player that can – okay, so he's the type of player on that type of team. So Everton – you know they're still, I think, flying under the radar a little bit with yeah, I um, think so a lot too. of the top top FPL yeah. managers because mm-hmm. there's a little bit of risk involved there. So right. you take that risk and you have the chance to do a little rank jumping. So that's the appeal, I think. Okay, yeah, and I think that I think Calvert Lewin falls in that category as well. Um, you know, he's he's in good form. They have good fixtures. He's less than six million. Um, 5.4% owned, definitely contender. I think Richarlison uh, just – like are you getting more out of Richarlison than you're going to get out of Jack Grealish? I don't think so. No. Yeah. So no. Save the $1.5 million. Just, just bring it. It's not like Jack Grealish is like 50% owned. He's at like 18% or something. So uh, a number I just made up. I don't have no idea what his ownership <laughs> well, is. Well, it's, it's a different type of player if you're comparing him to Grealish, but it's a – that's like a shrewd FPL – points per pound calculation and at 8 million yeah you've got to go Grealish 17.9 percent ownership on Jack Grealish I like almost completely nailed it there that's that's very satisfying we have to give uh, we have to give a grade to Everton before we move on oh yeah uh D plus I will give them an E for Everton (laughs) um Mason Holgate by the way 4.4 million has started like 12 matches in a row uh Someone yeah. to consider, maybe? I don't know. Is it interesting? Definitely. Option? Yeah. Yeah. So better than Diego Rico. Rico, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> better than Rico. All right. Moving on to, I got two more teams. We're going to take a quick break. Leicester City. Brandon, I, I can't name a player on this team. So if you can, if you can help me out here. Yeah. Um, Could you Mets, point to yeah. Leicester City on a, <laughs> on a map? Could you do it? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I could get close. I think I could get within 30 <laughs> miles. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but kidding aside, Leicester City, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and give them a grade right now. It's an it's an A for fantasy and an A for overall. Um, and, uh, yeah, Matt Seward has a question. He says, Jose Perez, 6 million, 5.3% owned, massive letdown, and yet has 83 points and is 12th in the scoring for midfielders. How did this happen? And is he worth considering at 6 million? <laughs> It is kind of sneaky, right? He had a terrible start to yeah. the season. You had uh, Jose Perez, didn't you? At the yeah, start of the he year? was in my yeah, he was in my game week one squad, and yeah, just couldn't happen for him. Yeah. And I, I I do think his form has coincided with the Leicester City form too. Yeah. If you remember the start of the season, it wasn't like they were pouring goals in, right? Uh, and at some point, he was right around that Southampton ridiculous nine nil loss that it all started to really click for the whole team. So I, I don't think Perez needs to take a ton of blame. I think that Rogers has really just been betting in or perfecting a system that he started at the end of uh, last yeah. season. So it, it's all making sense to me. And you're right. It's got to be an A because Lester have given on all fronts. Vardy is produced at the forward slot. James Madison, though I think Madison kind of exists on an FPL knife edge. It's like he kind of has to perform exactly how he's performing to justify his price. And yeah, it, it, it's it's a really he's kind of a scary prospect to own as an FPL manager. Speaking as a current owner, and then Soyunju, among others, uh, Chilwell and Pereira have had their moments. 
and the defense. So did just, you see yeah, him the going on, delivered did, on all did, fronts? Did you see Madison going on Instagram and talking about FPL? And he was like, that's like for all you guys who dropped me in FPL. It's like, first of all, no yeah. one in the right mind was dropping James Madison before an away match to Newcastle. Okay. So like just that, that right up there, straight up Madison, but also I don't like this act of fan, like football players breaking the fourth wall, you know, and like talking <laughs> uh-huh. about fantasy. You don't I, want them, they're flea bagging it. Yeah, if it, they're flea bagging it, and it feels like I, I don't want to be looked at. It's like I don't want the I don't want the camera turned back on me. Okay, it's like it, it always, but it also feels very focus group. Like like their like PR agent uh-huh. told them to write this. You know, it, it never feels like anything authentic because yeah. like they never quite use the hashtag the right way or whatever. You know, it's always like acronym isn't quite accurate. Yeah. And so I, I I don't know. I feel like uh, uh, I don't know. I I do. You, I mean, are, where where are you on? Football players who who talk about <laughs> I, fantasy I sports. I don't think I, I haven't really actually given it much thought until now. But now you've got the juices flowing, and now all, all I can do is picture Mo Salah scoring a hat trick late in the season and lifting up his jersey to reveal a T-shirt that has the triple captain symbol <laughs> on it. How legendary would that be? I that mean, would people be. would lose their mind. That would be that would be so much bigger than why always me. It would be incredible. It would be insane. That would be that would be the greatest moment in the history of fantasy sports if he did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, or or, or yeah. he just wore a little hat uh, with a triple captain symbol on top of his hat uh, through the entire game. Oh, that, that like a, goal, cool. a goalkeeper hat. That be that would be cool. Yeah. So there's not a lot to say about Leicester because we've talked about them in basically every podcast the last you know, 20 weeks or so. Great, great team. A lot of great fantasy assets. I, you know, I only have two Leicester players right now. I've got Vardy and Sun Yun Chu. Um, kind of fun. I feel like I've got room. I could, I could add a defender. I could, I could finally bring in Madison. Um, so I've got some, some different options there. Um, you know, the Vardy thing, as long as he, as long as the calf is fine, he's ready to play this weekend. Um, he's, you know, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Maybe a season keeper for me. Yeah, definitely. The latest injury report on, the latest injury report on Vardy is, uh, Mm -hmm. none. (laughs) He should be fine. He should be fine. There (laughs) there are no major updates since last year. Yeah, we'll see if he has of today. Yeah, we'll see if he trains this week. Uh, all right, let's move on. One, one last team that took a quick break, uh, we have to, we have to, we have to like turn the tapes over, don't we? Like we've gone, yeah, we gone do. So far. Yeah, we do. I flipped the record. Yeah, uh, Evan says uh, about Liverpool. Which combination of three Liverpool players would be the biggest bang for your buck in game week twenty four? Double defense plus one mid, double mid plus one defense, one defense, one midfielder, one for me now. Okay, here's here's my like here's my take on this, Brandon. Okay, here's my hot take. Mm-hmm. Go for it. It, it depends. There's my hot take. It depends on your team. I don't think it is a good stri- – almost invariably, almost without fail, if you got your team to bring in one player for one particular game week, it screws up your team. And it, it causes problems that it takes you weeks to fix. And if, you're, if, it, if the setup of your team allows you to have two defenders more easily, do that. If it allows you to have two midfielders, do that. If it allows you to have one, one defender, one midfielder, and for me now – do that. And I, I, I just don't know that there's one that is, that is just overwhelmingly better. Yes. I guess if you, if I was wild carding in the game week 24, I would have Sala, Mane and Firmino. Um, but 
unless you're doing that, I would just have whatever whatever combination works the best for you. And this has been an official segment of It Depends from Josh Landon, brought to you by Depends Undergarments for <laughs> yep. old people. Our, new, our newest sponsor. Uh, that's wonderful. I, I'm kind of with you. I just think that that's probably the most uh, academic way of, well, is it the most? It's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is just get the three best players. And the three best players in my mind are Mane, Sala, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. So if you can do that, do that. If you can do it. But yeah, but if you have to do it and that requires you burning points and shifting things around and ending up with a bunch of non-playing, you know, it's like if the only way to do it is like, well, now you've got to have Mason Greenwood and two other non-starting players. I don't think it's worth it in that case. So yeah, if you can do it easily, then yes, I think I'm with you. Mane Salah and and Trent. Just one one more point to to put on that is like I'm not even convinced that we shouldn't all just have Salah and Mane in our midfield full stop, double sure. game week or not. It's well, the that's best a, team in the league. They're the two yeah. best midfielders in the game. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I think uh, <laughs> Liverpool. I mean, it's C plus for both of us, right? So <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like it, a fair to middling C. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of like Leicester. Like, what are you gonna? I mean, they've been great in fantasy and great. Uh, in real life, too, it's it's got to be an A, a full a full A, an A plus, perhaps, considering they haven't uh, lost a match yet this year. Yeah. Um, and absolutely, so far, yeah, Mane is winning the uh, the the battle between Mane and Salah pretty pretty handily. Uh, that may change at some point, but um, that's that's where we are right now. I think I'm with you. I think that having two may be the way to go moving forward. Um, and I mean, Trent has been, there's not a lot to say. It's kind of, it's like much like Lester. I mean, there's not a lot to say when you've been talking about them every week. I mean, I think that, um, they've been awesome and I think it's actually been very simple because they have, I mean, I'm looking at the site right now. There's one, two, three, four, five, eight, ten, fourteen. They have 14 different midfielders listed in fantasy. And in previous seasons, you had to at least consider the possibility of a Lalana or a Shakiri or something like that. And this year, it's just like yeah. straight up, you've got two options in the midfield, and that's it. You've got one forward if yeah. you want him, and that's it. And you've got, I guess, three defenders, maybe four defenders. I guess Gomez is kind of underrated too. Sure. And so it's, yeah. it's it's a little easier, you know, to kind of to, to slot everybody in. And I um, – I do like that. Um, I like it. It feels like there's like the, you just have at least two and if you can have three, great. And, um, yeah, but I, I'm trying to figure out, I, I don't know how I can bring in, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm arguing for this because I would love to have, um, I would love to have Salah for game week 24, but you know, the only way that it really would make sense for me to do it actually would be to drop De Bruyne for a week. Um, and, and just, and just swap them out and swap them back in later if I wanted them. Um, I don't know that there's a way yeah. for me to, um, to do it otherwise. Uh, before we head to the break prediction time mm-hmm. on, a, uh, on a percentage scale, 100% mm-hmm. being the likeliest that Liverpool will remain undefeated through the end of the season. How likely is that? <sighs> well, they still play away to city, right? At some point later uh-huh. on the yep. season. So I'll say it's a fifty-fifty, like it's a it's a coin flip. Okay, what do you think? I'm feeling I'm feeling kind of bullish on it. I think it's a seventy-five to eighty percent that they go undefeated this season. Yeah, when do they with play? draws counting? Yeah, okay. Let's see. What, what week do they play Liverpool or do they play Man City? It's game week thirty-two, so it's pretty late in the season. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, at that point, they'd be really gunning for it, right? So uh, they may be yeah. out of the, you know, they, who knows if they're still in the Champions League at that point too. So that it can, that could be like a hugely important fixture. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I I'll, I'll stick with fifty fifty. Let's take a break. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's take a break. <laughs> All right. All right, Josh. We're back, and we're going to talk about Manchester City now. Let's kick things off with Boston Prof, who wants to know. What's up with Raheem Sterling? From a huge FPL asset last year, he has disappeared. Did Man City change their scheme or did he drop off? He's always He always seems to pass the eye test. So here is the question with Manchester City as we look at them midseason, Josh, mm-hmm. is they are a little confounding when it comes to FPL. And there's, there's not much mystery around the fact that they are the second best team in the Premier League right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, while still still being a, a great a great team IRL, but mm-hmm. why aren't assets like Raheem Sterling or Mares or Bernardo Silva or Aguero or anyone except for Kevin De Bruyne? Why why isn't it happening FPL wise? I mean, I kind of killed the early part of my FPL season chasing points from Manchester City attack. Yeah. And it hasn't happened. Well, I mean, I think that uh, fantasy-wise, I think that rotation is uh, in it. Well, okay, I, I think I mean the 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 fantasy and real life answer is that um, I think that you know David Silva being oft injured and them not really having a great replacement for him uh, has been a a real problem. And I think that's really hurt some of their team. Just think about the way that he and Sterling can link up. You know, when Silva's in, mm-hmm. in good form. That's a good point. Um, I mean, he hasn't played. I guess he played seven minutes in, in the Everton match. I didn't realize he actually made it back in the pitch. So, yeah, he played seven in that, but hadn't played since game week 16 before that. And um, he's having a great season before that. He had eight assists, you know, in, in limited minutes. Um, and so I think fantasy-wise, you know, but even even when he was doing well, you still had, um, you know, multiple matches where he didn't start or he played 12 minutes or he came off with an injury. Um, you know, Bernardo Silva has been in and out of the team a little bit. Uh, Riyad Mahrez has been in and out of the team a little bit. There's really no, I mean, you, you know, you look at some, a team like Liverpool and it's uh, really consistent. I mean, Mane and Salah have started, I think, every match but one in both cases. Well, actually, no, Salah's, I think, missed a couple, but Mane started every match but one. Um, and, you know, Kevin De Bruyne is the only player who seems like he's got an actual stranglehold on his position. You know, he's only missed one match the entire season. And, um, yeah, so I think, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that's, I, I, you know, so I think like there's like a, just a practical thing, which is that there's no fantasy assets you can trust because you never know if they're actually going to start. Um, I think their defense right. is just crap. I mean, that's, you know, we talked about this in last week's pod, but there's just nothing, you know, the Laporte injury had this incredible, um, it was like this house of cards that they built, and it was like he was he was he was like the last thing holding up, you know. And like once he once he went down, it was like the whole defense just collapsed. And you know, I don't know, like Kyle Walker, like still has some good runs, but he feels like he's just always at like risk of like a red card or something, you know. He's like rash challenges, and Oda Mendy's not up for it. Ben, Benjamin Mendy's just had too many injuries; doesn't play like he used to. Um, Zinchenko doesn't seem like he's quite good enough. John Stones doesn't seem like he's good enough. Okay, um, yeah, we, we don't we don't need to go through the whole litany, Josh. Uh, I think we kind of got I the answer to, before we took. I didn't get to Garcia, Brandon. Did I? Okay, what do you got to say about Garcia? I, I, nothing actually. I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I, I just think I don't. I think that Manchester City this season is kind of a good team for the anxious FPL manager, and that we know clearly what to do. You get KDB, and that's all you need to worry about. There could be yep. a worse scenario for anxious managers where you have to make the gut call between Mane and Sterling. But yeah. fortunately, we don't have to do that. So it's yeah. You know, I don't want to. It's nice to have options, particularly premium options that are scoring lots of goals. But uh, yeah, you know, we just don't have to make that decision. It's easy. And Gabriel Jesus' break uh, brace, excuse me, um, on January first. That just that just kills the Aguero Jesus thing. Like it's it's done because they're both just too good, right? I mean, I mean, Aguero is too good historically. He's not been great, you know, the last ten weeks or so. Uh, and Jesus has been too good this season, so you just can't trust either one. Um, to start, you know, there's, there's, it's not like it's, you know, last year Jesus was really inconsistent. And so you could pretty reliably have Aguero and feel like he was going to start the vast majority of the matches. But this year it feels like every single match, you just, you genuinely have no idea who's going to start. So you just can't have either one. Yeah. All right. So probably a B minus FPL wise, just, just given the strength of De Bruyne. Yeah. Um, that seem fair. C plus maybe given they've been kind of disappointing given their defense yeah. is so bad. Um, yeah. And the Sterling yeah. thing, which we didn't really, really talk about is just, he kind of, he's just too expensive, right. For how inconsistent he's been. Yeah, definitely. All right. So um, we could go on and on, but uh, as I was saying, I think that uh, city are just not super FPL relevant right now. Yep. So yep. let's move to Manchester United, who just by virtue of their price tags uh, is FPL relevant. You're a Martial owner. I'm a Rashford owner. Martial in the midfield, Rashford for people who are looking for forwards. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be easy. It's not easy with Manchester United right now. No. Their form is really wobbly. You just do not know what you're going to get. And, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to getting rid of Rashford. I'm not going to get rid of him <laughs> this week. Particularly, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about Norwich in a second. They are hosting Norwich at Old Trafford in game yeah. week 22. Yeah. And Pookie is in trouble to start that match. And if Norwich doesn't have Pookie, I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah. So um, kind of like holding Rashford uh, for that. Where are you with Martial right now? Yeah. I've had Martial for one week and I'm already like trying to get rid of him. <laughs> I'm just not I, – I, I don't know. I mean I, I'm going to keep him for the Norwich match obviously. But uh, it doesn't look good. The, the team is just too inconsistent. And uh, Rashford is probably worth worth having. Um, I mean, what does he have? Like 30, He's got like 13 goals himself, right, in the season? Or is it 12? He's got 12 goals and five assists. Super involved. Um, I don't know. Like, But also, yeah, could you get as much from Danny Ings as you're getting from Marcus Rashford for 2.6 million cheaper? I think you probably can get close to it anyway. Sure. Um, yeah, and Martial, I just, I mean, I don't know that I really was like seriously considering Madison over Martial, um, but obviously him getting two points, looking really unactive, and Madison um, playing very dominantly in the Newcastle match, are like, eh, like maybe that's just how it is. Like maybe these like midfielders that are under eight million, you just you just can't get too attached to any of them, you know, because they're just not. <laughs> You sort of like you got to play their form and their fixtures, and you have to just keep kind of flipping them, you know, like just kind of like 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 a six point five million forward. You just keep flipping, you know, just trying to find the right the right player for the right stretch of matches. 
and it's frustrating. You're getting with Martial at 7.9 and the same where James Madison is. You're at that price point and that you're closing in on elite FPL midfielder, mm-hmm. but you're still not going to get a delivery from them every week. But still, you know, FPL managers are asking a little bit more of these players. But in reality, I think you should really only be expecting to get attacking attacking returns every other week. I mean, maybe maybe you could expect an assist and no bonus points on the regular from somebody like James Madison yeah. or even Martial. But yeah, you can't expect uh, Kevin De Bruyne no. output from Martial. No. no, I agree. I think it's more just this, this Man United team and feeling like, I don't know what I'm going to get from them ever, you know? And right. I don't know. It's like, I feel like I'd rather just... I don't know. So like, I, if it feels like, I I just don't like having players and teams like that where I you just genuinely have no idea what what they're going to look like any match. It feels like it's hard to plan for. You can never captain them. You know, it's just like, would you ever captain Rashford? It feels too risky, right? Even at home to Norwich, you probably don't want to captain them. Oh yeah, a player with a penchant for missing penalties. No, I'm never <laughs> captaining you. I've been there with yeah. uh, Pogba, so yeah. I, I I don't appreciate it, and and I won't join you there. <laughs> I mean, you, United have had a very interesting first half of the season. I mean, they they flirted with with FPL greatness for a while. I mean, uh, their defenders were were briefly appealing with with Maguire and Aaron Wan Bissaka, and then mm-hmm. Daniel James looked like he could actually be a regular starter at an insane. Uh, price point for somebody who was scoring regularly for yeah. Manchester United. And that just really hasn't um, come to fruition. So it's kind of like haven't achieved any of their FPL goals that they set out for at the start of the season. Yeah. Maybe uh, Rashford has. Maybe Rashford. Yeah. But having had Juan, I had Juan Basaka for a few weeks there and it was kind of a disaster. So yeah, uh, let's let's move on from Man United, Brandon. Let's move on to a team that's uh, t- to Newcastle, who you have you have no notes for. There's no, there's no Newcastle notes. There's there's yeah. not a lot to say. How about a quick shout out? Miguel Almiron scored again in the FA Cup. So uh, he, kudos he can't to stop. You. you won't. You 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 will not stop, Miggy. <laughs> the entire team is injured. The entire defense is injured. It's it's a disaster. Willems, Shard, Dummett, Lasalles. Clark, Mankio, all injured. Yeah, let's see. Newcastle have uh, Wolves. They're away Wolves. Jimenez captaincy. We're gonna, we'll have to have a very, very brief Game yeah. 22 preview at the end of this epic <laughs> podcast. But yeah, they're they're in trouble. They're, they're yeah. in a lot of trouble. Uh, I mean, this is John Joe Shelby's time. And if there are any takeaways for Newcastle, for me, on this midseason report card, it is... Yeah. I don't know if I've enjoyed anything more recently than the link up between Andy Carroll and John Joe Shelby. I know, but um, now what a Shelby, great odd couple. Shelby also injured, twenty five percent chance of playing. Miguel Almiron <laughs> injured. Saint Maximin injured. Colback injured. Andy Carroll injured. <laughs> Muto injured. Gale injured. They're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. There are sixteen flags in the Newcastle team. Have you ever seen a team with more flags than that? That's incredible. Wow. That's that's wild. Do you think we 
Yeah, it's it's wild. I, I guess uh, we have to tip our hat to um, Dubrovka, who has been one of the outstanding goalkeepers IRL yeah. this season. God. He's not had a lot to work with, but he's looked fantastic. Yeah, he's been one of the best. LOL. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on to. <laughs> F. Sorry, Newcastle. That's an F. Yeah. Well, okay. How about F for fantasy? But uh, I'll give them like a like a C minus for. A, they're like surprisingly not in like any real relegation threat, which is kind of crazy. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's very fair. Uh, all right, okay. New, Norwich. Uh, Norwich. Yeah, Norwich City. Uh, a for fantasy. <sighs> Got to give him an F overall. Todd Cantwell is the man. <laughs> like incredible. <laughs> the greatest it's, is he the greatest four point five million midfielder ever in fantasy. When James Ward-Prowse looks at himself in the mirror, he thinks he sees Todd Cantwell. (laughs) Ward-Prowse thinks his hair looks like that. Ward-Prowse thinks he's foxy in the box like that, but he's not. There is only one Todd Cantwell, I'm sorry, and he's priced at 4.9, and he's winning our hearts and minds. An insane, like, for for this caliber of player, 23.3%. Ownership. I feel like the FPL community is like totally adopted him. He fits that fifth midfielder spot probably more perfectly than any player in the last you know five to ten seasons. If I can think of any, perfect. I mean, four double digit returns in the season already. Six goals and two assists. I mean, the only thing it even in terms of returns from a four point five million midfielder, the only thing it reminds me of is. Uh, is that crazy run with the who's the Watford uh, midfielder who had that crazy run? Um, Pereira. Who, no, the the tall guy is like a defensive midfielder who had like oh like Etienne Capu. Yeah, the Capu yeah, run <laughs> a couple of years ago where Etienne Capu, a defensive midfielder, somehow scored in four consecutive matches, and all of us were like. I don't want him in my team. I don't think he's going to keep this going. <laughs> and yet I, I think I have to yeah. do it. And he went from like 4.5 million to like 5.3 million. And he didn't score. I don't think he scored a goal the rest of the season. Um, but he yeah. scored in the first four matches. It was the most remarkable thing. Um, so, I, but, but Cantwell <laughs> is actually playing like a number 10. I mean, he's super advanced. And um, I mean, he, he just looks like, he looks like a player. Like he looks good. You know, there's nothing yeah. fluky about what he's done so far. He scored in the box, scored outside the box. Um, and in fact, when you talk about someone like Jordan Ayew as an option, I think what makes him an intriguing option is that Todd Cantwell is very playable and very startable in a lot of matches. And um, I mean, I'm just looking ahead here. They play Bournemouth at home in game week 23. I mean, you're going to have to start him for that one. Uh, Newcastle away in 25. That's probably a start as well. Um, I mean, it's, it's a mixed bag for sure, but, um, I mean, he's like a, like a borderline got to start him kind of player. Yeah, I think that's right. And it, it, it I, I have had these situations where, so Vardy doesn't play in game week. Was it the last game week 21 where I got Todd Cantwell off the bench? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, you were so before you knew that Vardy was injured, you were so annoyed about that, right? Because, uh, you, I think you would, you had started Grealish and I had started, uh, uh, I had started Cantwell. Cantwell. Uh, yeah. And so it came out that I, I was going to fluke my way into, uh, 13 Grealish points. I couldn't believe it. I felt like I won the lottery. It was, it was incredible. Uh, but then Todd Cantwell. No one likes that. No one likes to see that. But then Todd Cantwell got 10 points himself. And so, you know, it wasn't like, I mean, so it was either, either option would have been good. You know, I mean, they were like, so it was, you know, worked out well for both of us because you had Cantwell in your first spot. So. 
Yes, great it's true. Story. Everyone wins. Everyone <laughs> what, a, wins. what a great story this and, is. As I, say, as I say, no one likes to see everyone winning. There must yeah. be one winner. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by what you were saying, though, about sort of downgrading your third striker, because I can see a number of benching headaches coming up for me where uh, I I feel like I have to bench Cantwell because I want to play my three you know, kind of expensive strikers up front. So yeah. it's, it's an interesting option. It's an interesting dilemma that Cantwell uh, presents, but you cannot talk about Norwich at this point in the season, looking at the report card with talk without talking about Timu Puki. Yep. He's got a bit of an issue now. He might actually miss the Manchester United game in game week 22. He's got a hamstring mm. complaint and this fractured toe that he's been dealing with. Yeah. I guess it's just a, a nice moment for us right now, Josh, to reflect upon what Pookie has meant to us just through this first half of the season. <laughs> like a, we need like a poppy-ish moment of silence, don't we? Uh, nine, nine goals, yeah. three assists in the season. Should be 10 goals, if not for a, um, a brutal VAR decision in the uh, Spurs game. Um, but Brandon, Abel was I, ere I saw Ida. I am very excited about the Ida era and uh, for, for Norwich City. And I scored a hat trick over the weekend. And uh, if he slots in for Pookie, this could be this could be fun. That was freaking remarkable, man. I will just, I won't even touch that one. <laughs> that was like my uh, Marcus from football, <laughs> from football ramble moment there. So <laughs> really, and everyone can hit rewind for that. So yeah, Norwich gets an F in the league. And what did, what did you give them for FPL? I think I gave them an A for FPL. I think okay, I deserve cool. it. All right. So yeah. <laughs> another, well, actually not a similar team because I think Sheffield United get a lot more love in real life, but also mm-hmm. probably an A uh, in fantasy just on the back of John Lundstrom. But I, I thought this was an interesting way to talk about Sheffield United because, you know, Lundstrom's been done to death here on FPL Podcast Central. But Lundstrom, he's now up to 5.1. He's had a one million plus price rise since the start of the season. Yep. This is he far exceeded even Aaron Juan Basaka levels of four point starting defender. He's playing out of position farther up the field. He's owned by close to forty seven percent of of FPL. Mm-hmm. But if you if you look back <clears throat> at all the good times we've had with Lundstrom, and I guess I'm not even I'm not counting the clean sheets here. I'm sure. just looking at attacking returns. Right, six total attacking returns for Lundstrom: three goals, three assists. You would think his, his you mate, would think he was on, but the way we talk about him, you would think he was on about 18 goals and like 20 assists. Right? You'd be, you'd you'd think he was breaking records for goals and assists on the season so far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the clean sheets total is is seven, which which does bear mentioning. But I just thought it was interesting to look at uh, George Baldock, who has had just a 0.5, a measly 0.5 million um, price increase. Now at, at, he's 0.1 cheaper than Lundstrom. He's also had six attacking returns. Hmm. So now the confusion is starting to set in a little bit. I mean, I think the safer money is with Lundstrom just by the ownership and how far up the field he plays. But right. Just like how remarkable are these defensive assets on Sheffield United yeah. that they're producing at this level? It's great. Yeah, and they're going through a terrible run right now. But um, actually, actually, they're they're sort of they're kind of halfway through it right now. They have a good match on Friday, and uh, then they play Arsenal and Man City, and then after that, the run from twenty five through thirty is quite good. 
they end the season reasonably well. Um, so I think there's a, there's a kind of a moment uh, kind of after the double game week where it may make sense to go back and, and double up with Baldock and uh, um, Baldock and Lundstrom. So I, I'm with you. I, I mean, I, I think you kind of said it like you can't, there's no reason to drop Lundstrom for Baldock. And I think even if I was wild carding, I would still keep Lundstrom just because he is more advanced in terms of his position. But um, I think the double up still makes sense. It's, it's, Henderson was great value at four point five. At four point nine, he's probably a little too much now, right? Like I feel like I'd rather I'd probably yeah. go Foster over Henderson at that point. A truly remarkable story, um, but it's it's typical of a promoted team where we know their defenders intimately, but still virtually nothing about the Oliver Norwoods <laughs> of this team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I mean, you, you, we mentioned it briefly earlier. You had your brief love affair with uh, Lise Bousset, and he's looked decent, but but Goldrick has been awful. McBurney, uh, mm-hmm. he did have that game-winning goal. Um, I'm blanking against uh, uh, who it was against, but uh, and then you got Billy Sharp. Just a bunch of weirdos and misfits outside of the defense, but I think Sheffield United has just given us our FPL money's worth this season. That's a, it's a hard A, and I think you've got to you've got to give them a a minus, if not an A, for overachieving where they are right now in real life. I think A's, yeah, A's across the board, right? I mean, they've been they're they're still challenging for a Champions League spot at the halfway point of the season. I mean, that's that's you know they were sort of one of the top teams to go down. So yeah, I think that I think they've they've really done well. Um, Southampton. The, the the Southampton Danny Ingses um, talked about Ings uh-huh. a fair amount already, so we can probably move past them fairly quickly. But um, yeah, just spare a thought for how remarkably good he has been. It's incredible. I mean, thirteen goals for a player who has never been able to put together a- any run like this in his. I mean, in scoring great goals too. I mean, that goal he scored um, in game week twenty one was incredible. I mean, that was a I think one of the best goals of the season, uh, just in terms of the the movement and um, and the yeah. placement, uh, just a really really beautiful goal. The, the goal of a player is very in form, um, and so um, yeah. I mean, I, I resisted forever uh, bringing him in for kind of the same reason you did, which is just like you know he was kind of the player who was just consistently coming down with a hamstring or a calf injury, you know, twenty two minutes into the match and. Um, I don't know. He's been able to maybe maybe it's just lightning in a bottle for this one year, but it's he's been great. Yeah. So their their fixtures get a little rough for the next four weeks, but then a really great run starting in game week twenty six: Burnley, Villa, West Ham, Newcastle, and Norwich. So um, if it's not Danny Ings now, it, it's probably Danny Ings then, and you know, a couple of other players who have uh, inspired this half of the season: James Ward Prowse, who four goals, two assists. Um, but just massively overpriced uh, McNeil style. Mm-hmm. And um, Jack Stevens, if you're looking to get in on their defense, he's consistently starting. He's he's started every match since uh, City in game week 11, and he's a bargain at 4.3. He's an interesting option. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good shout. Um, all right, so let's move on. We, we, we've gone a little long this episode, Brandon, as we, as we sometimes do with this particular pod. So uh, let's, let's do let's go a little faster through these final four teams. I think that I think that's an easy thing to do. Um, Spurs incomplete is my grade. I don't know what to think about them anymore. Um, now with with Kane out too, it's hard to really even assess what they look like. I think we now know for a fact that the defense is uh, a, a full an avoid full stop. Um, and that maybe Sun is is the one player to consider. 
Yeah, it's it's a mess. I mean, Jose the Jose Mourinho era is truly off and running in in the in the most predictable way. Mm. Um I yeah, I think Son though is he could be a huge differential with Harry Kane out. Yeah. Um you know, they're they can play with a lot more pace without Harry Kane and mm-hmm. with Son and Lucas Mora and Deli Ali if they're able to keep the kind of attacking form that they've exhibited, you know, with those defensive flaws. I think Sun could yeah. be one of those players that we talk a lot about in the second half of the season. Yeah, you could be right. I worry that all the little things that Kane does to to make that attack go, um, the things that we kind of make fun of him for, you know, about not really being yeah, a forward. But yeah, but it, mm-hmm. it really is, you know, hugely important in terms of, you know, shifting from defense to attack. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Watford. Kind of back on the radar just a little bit, right? Uh, finally, um, yeah. yeah. The like you were rewarded for your uh, Ryan Fredericks pick. Many <laughs> Cathcart owners out there have been celebrating of late. Oh, the Cathcart era is is well and truly upon us. The one, the only player. Okay, so Ben Foster talked about him already. I think he's a he's a good wild card um, goalkeeper option. The rest of the defenders, I'm just going to completely stay away from, um, as is usually a good rule of thumb with with Watford defenders. What do you what do you think about Sar? Ismila Sar. Um, is he's very Isaac successy? I think in that uh, a sort of a striker who. I mean, well, success. I was. I guess it was a thing with him because he was a four point five starting striker for a while there. But, um, I. I I'm not into it. I'm not into it. He's. I don't see a complete game from him. Yeah. Uh, he's just shown some some decent finishing, and it's Watford. I don't need attackers in Watford. <laughs> it's it's too bad he's six point two million. It does feel like a lot for a Watford player. It's hard for me when I think of Sar not to think about him missing like a half dozen chances in the Liverpool match, and yeah. You know, that's like the first thing that comes to mind. And I it's, honestly, that's probably the last time I watched a full Watford match was uh, back in game week 17. And they've been a lot better since then. So I, I don't really have a read on him. Um, he's got two goals and two assists in the last four matches. So um seems like he's, you know, he's a key part of what they're doing. I, you know, Del Feu is actually probably a player who should be getting talked about a little bit more, right? 2.6% ownership. I mean, nobody's got this guy. Um, he's got he's two cheaper goals. than Sar. He's cheaper than sorry, six point one million. Uh, two goals and one assist in the last three um, has looked really good too. Um, uh, you know, both the uh, uh, he even looked good in the Aston Villa game, which he didn't he didn't do anything in that match. So I think um, I don't know. I'm sort of I'm a little intrigued by Delafeu. Again, yeah, I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how we've just <clears throat> talked about Watford looking forward because looking to Watford. Um, before the midpoint of the season is really not worth talking about at all. So I'm, I'm at least glad that they're back on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, me too. I mean, I actually wouldn't be, I'd be fine if they went down, but um, sorry, Stephen Toomey, but yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I want, I want, I just want a competitive relegation race, Brandon. That's what I want. I want, I want lots of teams, you know, fighting for it down the stretch. Right. Um, yeah. what, all right. Two teams to go uh, West Ham, Game week twenty four double. I no longer have Ryan Fredericks for that. Um, they were really dominant, but we've only seen one game out of David Moyes so far. Um, I thought uh, the the one player who was sort of singled out. I, I read like a little like a tactical analysis of how they looked um, after the match, and um, Felipe Anderson was the one who was sort of given, um, sort of pushed and like sort of encouraged to score more 
uh, by David Moyes. I don't know if it's that easy. I guess if it was, managers would just always tell players to score more goals, uh, and they would do it. But um, he was um, sort of encouraged to be a little more attacking um, in his play, and so maybe he's an option. He's certainly been he's certainly looked good at times over this over the, you know, the last couple of years. Um, but does anybody stand out for you on West Ham? Yeah, I would I would love to see Mikel Antonio be back to his FPL greatness that, mm-hmm. that we we occasionally get from him. But it just seems like one game on for Mikel Antonio, then injured mm-hmm. and out for, for two months. Yeah. So such as it is, um, I, I don't believe that suddenly West Ham are going to be some kind of defensive powerhouse. I also don't believe, well, I mean, if, if I'd believe anything, it would be that their attack would improve because – with all mm-hmm. the signings they made over the summer, the the most exciting signings they made, you know, between Allaire and Fornals, yeah. and then on top of who they had from from last season with Felipe Anderson uh, and and Yarmolenko even, who's got injury problems. Their yeah. attack is really where all their flair is. So I would I, w- I would love to see more from them where that's concerned. Yeah, Yarmolenko, that's that's too bad. It was he was kind of a one of the fun stories at the start of the season and it looks like uh I don't know if he lost his form or if he's just been battling injuries the entire time or I guess that whole team kind of lost it, right? So um yeah, they're they're like they're kind of like an incomplete but um they also were not fun to watch the first 20 weeks of the season. So I'm going to give them a D for fantasy and a D for real life. Double Ds. Yeah, the Dildo Brothers, the the famous West Ham owners. That's great. Um, all right, last team that we're going to talk about in our mid mid season report card are Wolverhampton Wolves, and I mean the man of the season has been a human. As uh, I, I felt like I was man actually of the shocked. <laughs> well, not of not of the whole league, but just just as far a as man Wolves for, are for his team, a man for all, a man for his season. Yeah. Um, a man who I stand firm. I wonder if any listeners out there will back me up on this, but uh, at the right angle, Raul Jimenez looks like um, Walt Jr. from Breaking Bad. I think that that's is, true. You said this recently, and I thought it was insane then, and I, I still think it's insane now. I, if any, he, he looks a little bit like Raul Julia, I will say. From, uh, from Street Fighter? No, from Adam's family. Uh, and... Uh, I think that if you look up Raul Julia, there's a real like resemblance to Raul Jimenez. But no, I don't see the Walt Jr. from Breaking Bad comparison <laughs> myself. I think uh, it's there. Yeah, I think there's there's kind of two men because I think uh, Adama Traore is also um, a very interesting yeah, that's option. True. Yeah, the yeah, five point five point six million. He's intriguing. Do they have a most improved uh, player award in the Premier League? Because um... I think that Traore would have to get it. I mean, he was kind of just, uh, he wasn't a joke player, but he was just a very one-dimensional player in recent seasons. And, yeah. and now we'll look at him. He's just like an all-around great, uh, he, he's a yeah. force that opposing it's, teams hate to see running at them. It's wild. Uh, yeah, I mean, four goals and four assists and just like some real like blasts, you know, like some of the... The goals he scored in the Spurs game and in the Man City game were great strikes, you know, like a strike that anyone would be proud of, you know. So it's, it's weird. I, I don't know. Um, and I still don't know if it's even sustainable, right? It seems like he's never really like shown this before, but he's still young, right? Is he like what twenty three or something like that? So um, 
yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, he's fun to watch too. Uh, I, I was saying to you, I, we met up at the Black Horse a couple weeks ago, and I was saying that my wife is now um, has officially become a Wolves fan. And I think it was partially because she was so intrigued by Adama Traore because he's just so unusual. Like you don't really see anybody that muscled in the Premier League. Um, and so she was sort of like, just like, who is this guy? Like, where's he from? And so, uh, but then that was like the same day that the Liverpool Man City game was on. And that was such an amazing match. Uh, and I think that like the, the she had like the hook yeah, of Traore and then, and then the incredible second half comeback. And that was, she was like, I think I'm, I think I'm a Wolves fan now. So, uh, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> he, he and Aloysius Anagonye. Famous Michigan State <laughs> yeah. basketball player. Both it's guys true. who just absolutely ripped and claimed they have never been in the weightlifting gym a day in their life. So I don't believe what a great it. That's, that's a lie. <laughs> complete lie. I uh, My last point on Jimenez, though, is I just can't believe how underpriced he was to start the season at um, – well, let's see. He started at 75 he dropped all the way down to 7.1 mm-hmm. in game week 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a fascinating rise, fall, and yeah. I'm stealing your line, Josh, a rise, fall, and subsequent re-rise <laughs> yeah. of all humanness. Yeah. I think they had, a, you know, there was some Europa League stuff early on, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, they, they they came slow out of the gate, but they've been they've been great, and he's been he's been awesome too. Yeah, Blake's the last two, but that doesn't really worry me. Um, had, a, had some chances in the uh, – and the Watford game, and he's he's been so so good and so consistent that uh, you know, you just got to sort of take those two blanks and just kind of blow them off. And you know, I mean, the the thing that's great about him is that he is the kind of player who you can play in any fixture. You know, it's not like he's like some of these kind of mid table. I don't know. I guess Wolves are technically still mid table. I mean, I almost think of them as like a you know top six caliber club now. Um, but you know, like some of those players can only play like when they're matched up with other kind of mediocre teams. But, uh, with him, I mean, the wolves are as good against the top teams, if not better, you know? So, um, so it's like, you can play him at home to Newcastle, but then I'm happy to start him, you know, against Liverpool, way to Man United, home to Leicester, um, you know, et cetera. Yeah, a, a bullet dodged perhaps uh, Matt Doherty up to 6.0, but we don't have to worry about him. The Wolves' defense has been a shadow of what yeah, they were. Total, total write off. Last season, at least a, a, attacking wise. So, okay, so Jimenez is consistent. We haven't been super consistent with giving grades to all these teams, but <laughs> let's finish on a high note. <laughs> okay. Wolves, yeah. Wolves getting a, a grade from mm. me. I guess I'll give them a, a B in FPL. And yeah, a, a B in real life. Yeah, I, I'm tempted to say B minus because Jota was so annoying and I had him early on in the season. And he stunk it up so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, Jimenez, Jimenez brings them up to a, a flat B. And yeah, you know, I'll give them a B plus in the Premier League season. They righted the ship. I think they had a really long uh, streak where they hadn't lost a match too. So um yeah. So second season too, I think it's gotta be hard to like, they were so good last year, kind of the, the fun story of the league. And then to, to be as good again this year, you know, it's pretty, pretty impressive. So, all right, Brennan, that's all 20 clubs. We're going to take a quick break and uh, close out the show. Let's close it out, man. All right, Brennan, we're back. Game week 22 kicks off on Friday. Uh, Sheffield United West Ham, that, that should be kind of a fun game. Rejuvenated West Ham. Sheffield United has been pretty strong at home this year. Um, just looking ahead to game week 22, Brandon, who is your captain right now going into this game week? 
Uh, it's Jamie Vardy. Uh, I will not rest until I get those sweet baby, <laughs> new baby goal celebrations. Home Southampton. I, yeah. I have wonderful memories of Vardy's hat trick. Granted, Southampton probably had their lowest moment as a Premier League club that yeah. evening against Leicester. But uh, I, I mean, there are a few other candidates that jump out. Him sure. as home Newcastle. We've talked about how Newcastle have no players to play. Yeah. Uh, Rashford home Norwich. Mm-hmm. De Bruyne is away from home, but it's still Villa and Villa are, are no great defensive outfit outfit. Right. So it's just, it's an embarrassment of riches, but I do have it on Vardy and my bus team right now. What about you? I have it on Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I think that Vardy is a great pick as well. I have, I have De Bruyne captain, Jimenez vice captain. I, I just want to see Vardy train. And if he trains the next two or three days, then then I'll do it. I, I worry, like, if he doesn't even train until Friday, then it's like, is he, does he, st- I mean, I, he's a veteran player, so I think he probably would start, but I, I think KDB away at Aston Villa, that, that could be a real bloodbath. And, uh, um, I, I, he's been, you know, he was fully rested for the, uh, for the FA Cup match. So he's, you know, I'm sure he's going to play 90 in this one and, uh, uh, or, you know, extended minutes anyway. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's on, it's, I think it's on, We'll see if I change it back to Vardy. If Vardy trains like tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'll, I'll, I'll probably move to Vardy just to be safe. But um, I don't know. I mean, it always worries me. You know, any kind of like leg injury like that, you worry it's going to linger. Um, yeah. You know, so anyway, that's that's where I am right now. I am loving my ratio of home versus away uh, fixtures in my FPL lineup right now. Just Just great stuff. Really good stuff. How many? I only have six. What, what's your ratio? How many do you have? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have eight home fixtures out of eleven. That's not Beat bad. That. All right. Yeah, it's this could bad. be this could be the week you you start your fifty buck cup comeback. Uh, on me. <laughs> yeah, I I I am not going to make any, many predictions in game week twenty two, but I do predict that Sheffield United are going to beat the crap out of West Ham, and I look forward to it. <laughs> uh, I think so too. I, I I like that Wilder just gave up on the. Uh, actually, no, they won anyway. It was amazing. I think Wilder fielded a completely different eleven than he had in the Liverpool match, and they still won that match. I think two nil. So. What a great manager Chris Wilder is. I don't know. I don't know what his ceiling is. Like if he, if there's like another club that really wants him or not. But uh, Sheffield United are clearly lucky to have him. He seems like a great manager. Oh, for sure. He he is. He can replace Eddie Howe as interesting <laughs> British manager in the league. <laughs> yeah. So we we are done with you, Eddie. Please please go now. And I think we're also done with this podcast, Brandon. If you would like to support the podcast, if you've enjoyed what you've listened to so far, if you, just honestly, if you've gotten this far. At that point, it's a test of stamina if you've gotten this far. Uh, and you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Uh, you can become a supporter, say thanks, support what we do, um, get access to our Slack where you can Slack, excuse me, where you can chat, um, talk about matches uh, during the like, while they take place and then the lead up and rate my teams and use the Ask Josh and Brandon channel to ask about fantasy or real life or anything. In between, is there anything in between those two? I don't know, um, but that's anything. yeah. But patreoncom slash is where you can go. Um, and uh, we have a bunch of producers to thank. Brandon, can you thank our producers, please? 
Absolutely. Big thanks to Trevor Ingerson, Mike DiPietro, Brian T., Big Gaffer, Bobas Kuhn, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Jazz Binning, Dave Wagner, Lodal, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Frederick Kean Gransky, Travis West, Alan Creasy, Victor Forbrook, Skogang, Paul Herzig, Kaya Christine LeLang, Stian Niehaus, Barry McGuire, Chris Carter, Martin Savage, Peter Bodoktel, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Andy Martin, Lindsey Rostell, Anthony, Anton Markov, FPLmerch.com, and James Conroy. You are the best producers in the world of FPL. Wow. If not like, well I don't even think, I don't even think Disney has better producers than <laughs> it's us. Like, it's like a Marvel movie. It's, it's impressive. Like the, the number of people involved. Well, thank you. Thank you to all our producers. Thank you to all of our patrons. Thank you to everyone who just listens to this podcast. Uh, if you don't feel like doing the Patreon thing, uh, you can still rate, rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, and a million other places. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters, Instagram at Hail Cheaters, Facebook.com slash always cheating. You can email us with any questions, hailcheaters at gmail.com. I feel like I've got a couple unanswered emails in our inbox right now that I need to get to. Uh, you can also visit our website, alwayscheating.com, for all this information, the latest podcasts and uh, content information for us and lots more. So uh, thank you for listening. Uh, Brandon, thank you for going on this three hour and 49 minute run, <laughs> whatever, however long this podcast was. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it's always fun to go through these teams though. And uh, yeah, so I, I, look, I, I give it a B. <laughs> I give it, I give it a, uh, a B for fantasy and a C for real life content. So. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Outstanding. Right. Well, yes. uh, I wish you and all of our listeners good luck in game week 22. Sounds good. Yeah. Have a good week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.